You can meet and hear journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, LCMS President Matt Harrison, San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordleone, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, and Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th and Saturday, June 17th at Concordia University, Chicago. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Um, there was a report that he wasn't in Warhouse because he didn't want to wear the, the Pride jersey for Pride Night. Do you have any comment on that? Yeah, I, I think the organization has sent out a release regarding the organization, the, the beliefs that we have uh, and how we feel about it, and really a great night. Um, with Provy, uh, uh, he, he's being true to himself and to his religion. This has to do with, with his belief in his religion. And it's one thing I respect about Provy, he's always true to himself. Uh, and so that's, that's where we're at with that. Um, is there any consideration on your part when he chose not to wear the jersey to not play him as a result? No, no. I mean, uh, Ford says he respects the decision you made it's for religious purposes. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I, uh, I respect everybody. I respect everybody's choices. My choice is to stay true to myself and my religion. That's all I'm going to say. That's Philadelphia Flyers coach John Tortorella and... Flyers player, Ivan Provorov, what a tempest in a teapot that was. All he did was refuse to wear a pride jersey. He had a simple explanation. He wanted to remain faithful to his Christian faith. In saner times, that wouldn't have upset anybody, but these are not sane times, and it upset everybody, almost everybody. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about a professional hockey player's refusal to wear an LGBTQ plus pride jersey, Michael O'Shea. He's an alumnus from the Hungary Foundation, and he's author of a column for the Federalist titled Ivan Provorov's Faithful Stand Exposes Anti-Religious Intolerance in the Name of Tolerance. Michael, welcome. Hi, Todd. It's a pleasure to be here. So what did he do and say that had the LGBTQ community calling for his cancellation, and at least one sportscaster, I believe a Canadian sportscaster, in tears the next day. The Flyers had what they deemed a pride night, and it's something that I think virtually every sports organization does at this point to, to keep up to be seen. I highly doubt that any extra money that they bring in from tickets offsets whatever they spend to put it on, but but everyone does it. And it would have completely gone without notice if not for Provorov refusing to, to wear a warm-up jersey and stick tape with rainbow-accented patterns. So the the purpose of, of these equipment, <laughs> themed equipment, was, you know, be seen to put on a show and then be auctioned off by to some unspecified charities by the Flyers after the game. How would you describe the reaction in both the sports community and outside the sports community? It was predictable. A lot of the mainstream sports figures, sports commentators felt the need to be seen to express their outrage to ensure that they were, according to society, on the right side of this issue. So I've seen very little in support of Provarov in the mainstream media, but fortunately, I, I know a lot of folks are out there supporting him. The, the anger is pretty uh, 
pretty severe. No one should be surprised at this point in time, but one journalist, I believe, on NHL Network was saying he should go die in the war in Ukraine, that kind of thing. So really nothing surprises me anymore, but even by that low bar, it's been pretty bad to see. You call the impulse behind the LGBTQ reaction self-worship. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think it's the result of an absence of God in society. And so I think man is a, a religious creature, has a need for God and a creed of sorts and religious symbols. So if if man rejects the God that we in the Judeo-Christian tradition know, he's still going to worship something, and more often than not, that something is himself. And I believe that's what's at play here in this sort of societal self-congratulation, self-adulation. Even if these issues, the, the homosexual issues, are not of great personal interest to someone, to be praised in society, to be in the right circles, to have the right people congratulating you, you need to say certain things. You need to say all the right words. And I think that is what's going on here with journalists and really with the professional managerial class in general. They have a need to worship themselves and what they deem to be progress. Why can't the LGBTQ movement tolerate a single dissenting voice? It's probably a combination of factors. One is that if some of these arguments, particularly for redefinition of marriage and and things of that nature, if they relied only on logic, it would be tough arguments to make. Really, if we're talking about historical, biological realities, those almost need to be distorted if you want to rely on logic to make the arguments. Fortunately for them, logic is a dying concept in the modern West, or so it seems. And so oftentimes these arguments rely purely on emotion, on vitriol, on on vague talking points, <laughs> vague emotional statements like love is love, uh, which obviously has a lot of deep philosophical, moral, logical problems. But I think that's one factor. Part of it might also just be the time that we live in coinciding with that movement being sort of the trendy, popular in-group of the time and just happens to be at a time where we live in a 300-character society, everything is instant and everything is powered by the internet. So that, those kind of factors all happening at one time might, might be part of the explanation. I'm sure you could write an entire book on it, though. It's certainly more than we would have time to talk about here. ESPN had Kurt Weaver on for a follow-up story. Who is he and what did he have to say? Yeah, this struck me when I read the article the next day. He's the COO of what ESPN called a social activism partner. What does that even mean? I'm, I'm not really sure, but ESPN determined that its readers would accept this person as some sort of expert qualified to have important quotes on the matter. And really, this was a puff piece that they put out. I highlighted it in the article. He was quoted, I believe, six times. But the reason it was particularly notable is that Weaver relied on some really shoddy logic to belittle Provorov and his religious beliefs and 
arrogantly state why, in his mind, they were wrong and any reasonable person should behave differently. He is a representative of this organization, You Can Play, which the NHL apparently partners with. And again, it's one of these situations where the NHL is trying to be seen and recognized for all the right things. But this individual had some pretty shockingly vain comments dismissing Provorov's faith and stating why he should, in his mind, approach this a very different way. Many, like me, were somewhat surprised that sports journalism has sold out to LGBTQ activism. I guess I'm just coming to that realization later than everyone else. How did this happen? (laughs) Yeah, I remember the days when ESPN was highlights from the previous day's games. I understand why in the internet age that's not feasible anymore, but I I think going back to that need to be accepted among the professional class, I don't think most journalists or most people in the sports community probably would rank the homosexual issues among their top three or five most important issues. But from a career standpoint, it's certainly important right now to say the right things. And journalism is certainly no more immune to that than any other profession. So I think that's mostly what is at play here. I'm sure there are some sports journalists who are passionate about political activism around these issues, but the majority the majority really know where the paycheck comes from and what they need to do to ensure that their career goes a certain way. What consequences, ongoing consequences, is Provorov likely to face for standing up to the LGBTQ mob? I certainly believe he's, at the very least, going to be booed at every game. The league has surprisingly not sold him out publicly. I firmly believe behind closed doors they will subject him to some sort of pressure, if not outright re-education measures. He's a good player. He's not, you know, maybe a household name among sports fans, but he's a good player. I don't know. I'm not quite sure what what stage in the team-building process the Flyers are that they might consider cutting ties with him. certainly possible based on similar controversies we've seen in the sports world in the past. And then here's the, the long shot. If something does happen with his employment status where he is no longer an employee of the Flyers, will the U.S. government try to make some kind of example of him partially as payback for the saga that we saw with the WNBA player in Russia. And partially, we've seen this administration doesn't have any qualms about exerting its political will in in the justice system. The uh, FBI raid on the uh, pro-life dad's house, for example. So let's say the Flyers do decide to cut ties with him. Would the U.S. government make an example of him and ship him back to Russia? I I have no evidence that that would happen, but... As I said earlier, low bar these days. Uh, nothing would surprise me. L- the Long story short, his life, his earthly day-to-day just got a lot more difficult. Provorov could have simply donned the jersey and literally no one would have noticed at all. There wouldn't have been any questions whatsoever. What can other Christians learn from Provorov's courage? Yeah, it's, it's as you said, it's, 
illogical from an earthly standpoint. He has, in an earthly way, nothing to gain from this. So it only makes sense in the case of an individual who's submitting himself completely to God, which Parovarov appears to be doing here, and God bless him for it. But I like to think, I like to have hope that one person doing the very hard thing makes it easier for two or three to do a slightly less hard thing, and then a hundred people do it, and there's an avalanche, a snowball effect from there. So let's pray and hope that his example will inspire a lot of people, particularly young There are those in the LBGDQ activist community that are saying that Provorov's essentially said that that they don't have a right to exist, that he hates them, that he's intolerant of them. How would you respond to those kind of assertions? Yeah, it goes back to to my perception that logic is irrelevant these days. Facts play no part in an argument these days. I quoted a Philadelphia Inquirer writer who made a comment about Provorov thinks that they literally shouldn't exist, just completely fact-free, evidence-free arguments here. But there's been a lot of success with that, with these emotional arguments, particularly from this from this lobby. They've had a lot of success with it. So why would you alter the formula until until people with different views, until people with faith develop the courage and, and the antidote to these kind of hysterical, emotion-based arguments, they're going to keep using them and keep using them successfully. This didn't happen in a, in a vacuum, Michael. It, it comes on the heels of several years of attempts, major legal attempts, to compel speech on the part of Christian bakers and photographers and all that kinds of stuff. How should we understand Provorov's situation in that context? Well, I, I think it's simply just a different venue for it, the sports world as opposed to Main Street. But the the reality of it is just as important for everyone. I think a lot of the success that that lobby has had in, in changing the Overton window in society has come from people who don't necessarily agree with them, but who say, well, this doesn't affect me, or I'm not going to risk my job or my reputation just for this issue. It's not important to me. So it, it's just another example, I think, that the the tentacles of, of these ideologies reach reach everywhere, even the the sports game that you watch in your leisure time to enjoy your evening at home after work. No part of society escapes it anymore. It's intriguing. Why do LGBTQ activists have to resort to compelling speech or to penalize people who will not conform to what they want them to say? Why do they have to go to that measure? I think it is a combination that the logical argument isn't a sound one, and they've just had tremendous success running this playbook. Why would you run a different playbook until it stops working? I mean, you know, it's like a a quarterback going against a defense he's just been tearing up all game and he's thrown for 500 yards. Why would you change what you're doing? Finally, why is freedom of conscience and freedom of speech, why are they essential to a free society? I think that without freedom of speech, true freedom of speech, realistically, the other freedoms that we have in our society lose most or all of their meaning. So it's kind of the cornerstone 
for example, what good is freedom of religion if the freedom of speech component is hampering it? So without that, it, it affects so many things. And really, we can't function as human beings with free will made in the likeness of God without that free speech. I mean, we're some sort of government, I don't know, societally perfected robots or something. I don't know. Without the freedom of speech, it would be quite a dystopian reality. Michael O'Shea is an alumnus of the Hungary Foundation. He's author of a column for The Federalist titled Ivan Provorov's Faithful Stand Exposes Anti-Religious Intolerance in the Name of Tolerance. You can read it at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Michael, thank you very much. Thanks. Have a great day. Pastor Peter Bender joins us on the other side of the break. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the third Sunday after the Epiphany. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay tuned. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. You're invited to a special life service Sunday afternoon at 3 on January 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Columbia, Illinois. Pastor Michael Salamink, Executive Director of Lutherans for Life, will be the guest preacher. What does Jesus have to do with life issues? Find out at a life service Sunday afternoon at 3, January 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Columbia, Illinois. Learn more at sidadvocatesforlife.com. Jesus the Good Shepherd says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. We invite you to join us as we listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and follow him who gives us eternal life. Sunday worship services at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible class at 10.30, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, Arnold, Missouri, on the web at goodshepherdarnold.org. That's goodshepherdarnold.org.